guys, anybody bring your Bible to church? Any, are you guys, you guys the type of Christians who read the Bible? Come on, let me see it. Let me see your sword. Let me see your sword. Thank you, Jesus, for Christians who read the Bible. Lord, bring great conviction to anybody who didn't bring it. Lord, may they feel bad. <laughs> I'm totally kidding, but not. I want you to bring your Bible. So um, it's, it's awesome to, to have God's word, to love God's word, to know God's word. We will have the Bible verses on the screens. Uh, if you're part of this house, as your pastor, I want to encourage you, bring your Bible, use your Bible, know your Bible, mark it up. If your Bible's falling apart, your life isn't. Amen? And, uh, and so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Exodus 13. Exodus 13. Um, also, if uh, you, you could put a little marker or your Bible stringy thingy uh, in uh, Genesis 4 and also Malachi 3. Exodus 13 will be kind of where we're at all the way through. We'll come back and forth to it. Uh, we'll do a little quick stop in Genesis 4 along the journey and Malachi 3. And any other verses I'll have on the screens for you to save a little bit of time. Um, we've been in the first week's in this series, which we're closing today, First Things First, we've been unpacking biblical principles about putting God first in our lives. Uh, was anybody here the first Sunday where we talked about how spiritual fasting is equivalent to sharpening your axe? Because in 2024, we got some trees to chop in life, and it's very important that we sharpen the edge of our axe to be effective. That's what spiritual fasting does. Last week, we talked about putting God first, uh, the first of your day through word, worship, and prayer, the first of your week through consistent church attendance and your spiritual family, uh, the first of your month through tithes and offerings, the first of your year with fasting and prayer. And we also broke down Matthew 6, 33. Remember that last week? Uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that we're hoping for and want and need, uh, they'll be added unto us. And we talked about what is the kingdom of God and what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? And that means we got a king and he's got a government and we're under his authority, right? Um, and so... Um, I want to just say this at the front, on the front end here. We are actually a church who really does believe in putting God first. It's not like, oh, he's a pastor. That's part of his job, and he has to say that. No, no, no. Like, we actually believe in putting God first. We have a deep conviction to live in holiness as children of God, uh, to truly live with a healthy, holy fear of God. Is anybody hearing me? Uh, we, do, we, do, we do not ask, at least in this church, I don't know what church you've been to, or, but at this church, we do not ask, well, how close can I come to the line without falling over? We move our line back. And we ask, how far can I stay away from it so that I can be safe and covered and under God's blessing? Uh, we're the type of people here at Vertical Church who embrace God's word to be true. And we embrace all of the principles and teachings in God's word, even though most of them are countercultural against, you know, today's society. And most of them are counterintuitive to our human reasoning. But we believe in God's word and we embrace the teachings of it. Come on, if anybody embraces, say, I embrace God's word. I embrace the teachings of God's word. Today's message is entitled, First and Best. Everybody say it with me. First and best. Here's the heart of the message in one sentence. When you catch this principle of honoring God with the first and the best through tithing, this act of obedience will change your life and it will be a testimony and legacy to the next generation. Can we pray? Here's what I'm about to do. I'm about to throw some really good seeds from God's word. But the problem is it's not just up to the seed, it's up to the soil which catches the seed. So I pray for the soil of our hearts. Lord, we come before you today praying for the soil of our hearts and minds and lives. And I pray that we would not only hear your word, but that we would receive it, understand it, apply it in our lives and reap all of the blessings and benefits that come from it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. All right, so I want you to, to look up here on the screen for this first verse, which I didn't give you, Proverbs eleven twenty four. 24. Look what God's word says. It says, Proverbs 11, verse 24, give generously and become more wealthy. 
Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So here's my, my position as pastor and my desire. If you're visiting us, then obviously I'm not your pastor. I'm just a handsome guy who's preaching the word of God to you. But if this is your spiritual home uh, and you see me and consider me as your pastor, and even for those of you who are visiting, what I want for you is I want you to live and experience a blessed life. Can I get an amen? I want you to have a blessed life. The Bible teaches us that the way to a blessed life is through generosity, specifically generosity towards God. And today... We're talking about tithing, everybody. Woo! Yeah, baby. I had to help myself in that one because, you know, normally it's tithing. It's like, why did I come to church today? We're going to talk about giving God the first and the best. So I know already, you don't have to worry. I know already that a lot of people get uptight when we talk about money in church. Right now, some of your butts are clenching, and I'm just saying, release and be at peace. Come on. Come on, tell somebody next to you, release and be at peace, baby. Especially if you're new and you're like, oh gosh, I came to this church for the first time today and the pastor's gonna pull out this. Or if you invited a friend, you're like, pastor, really? I brought my friend today. <laughs> and with all joking aside, I wanna tell you, I think this principle has the potential to change your life. It has mine and it has the trajectory of this church but it's okay to talk about finances. Do you want to know why? Because Jesus spoke about finances. In fact, did you know that the Bible talks more about money than heaven and hell combined? And if we don't, as Christians, if we don't learn finances from the Bible, where are we going to learn how to handle finances? By the way, it's a big deal to God. Do you want to know why? Ask me why. Ask me why. Because where your treasure is, there your, there your heart is. And what is God after? <laughs> He's after your heart. That always makes me laugh. Some people are like, God just wants my money. Really? Like, do you really credit yourself with that? Like, like you got a bonus and God's like, hmm, how can I get his money? Like, God needs anything that you and I could ever <laughs> offer. He could flick us. Then, then if God is not after your printed paper, then he's obviously after something else. The question is, what is he after? He's after your heart. And generosity is an identifier of your heart. Being generous towards God is a way of putting him first. It's a principle we find all the way from Genesis to the beginning to the end in Revelation. So let's go together to Exodus chapter 13. And I'm going to give you a little warning that this is going to sound a little Old Testament-y. Okay? Um, but I guarantee you and promise you that if you stick with me, you're going to make the connection. Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Who spoke? The Lord. He spoke to Moses saying, Consecrate or set apart to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. I don't know if, you're, if, you're, if your Bible has the word mine, but mine is capitalized. It's, it's an emphatic language that God is using in the original Hebrew writings here. And, and God is being, making very clear that they are to consecrate the firstborn because it is his. Now jump to verse 12. Jump to verse 12. And it says, Then you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The male shall be the Lord's. Verse 13. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, 
And if you will not redeem it, in other words, if you won't do this and obey the Lord, then you might as well just break its neck. In other words, if you don't do this, you're going to lose it anyway. And we're going to talk in a moment about our finances and generosity towards God specifically. And I want you to notice this principle. If you will not give what is the Lord's back to him and return it to him, you're going to lose it anyway. 13b, the second part of 13, it says, and all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall, what's the word there? Redeem. Okay, so again, pastor, I don't got any donkeys. Like, like I know you might be thinking this. So I'm going I'm to bring it into context because we're going to talk about these principles of bringing God the first and the best. Bringing God the first and the best. I want to share four principles and then a question to ask ourselves at the each, end of each one. Principle number one, bringing God the first and the best, it's about value. Everybody say value. So we read here in Exodus 13 uh, that it, it helps us understand this principle. And if you're taking notes, here it is. The firstborn must be either sacrificed or redeemed. Help me out. The firstborn must either be sacrificed or let me give you the difference between these two and talk about it for a moment. So before Jesus came into scene, the way that God's people made atonement and got right in their relationship with him and received forgiveness of sins, it required a process through a sacrificial system that he put in place in the law. The law was before Jesus. When Jesus came, he changed everything and then it turned into the grace. So under the law, there was a sacrificial system and the only way that God's people could obtain not only forgiveness for their sins, but right standing with God was through the shedding of blood of an appropriate and worthy sacrifice. Now, there was two categories of animals. There were animals that were considered clean, and there was animals that were considered unclean. The only animals that were, were worthy of being sacrificed to God that would, be, that would be acceptable and pleasing to him were clean animals. So the only animals that could be used for these sacrifices on the altar for these purposes were clean animals. The unclean animals could not be used for those purposes. So we see a reference here to the lamb and a donkey, right? And specifically, a donkey would be an unclean animal. A lamb would be a clean animal that was, a, that was acceptable under God's sacrificial system. If you had an animal that was considered a clean animal, like, like, uh, like a sheep, right? You would sacrifice the firstborn. So the first, the first baby that that lamb would have, then you would sacrifice it because it was a clean animal. However, if you had an animal that was considered unclean, like a donkey, when that donkey would have their firstborn, you couldn't sacrifice it because it wasn't acceptable under the sacrificial system of God. What you had to do is you had to redeem it by the sacrifice of a clean animal. Are you following me? Okay, so let, let's, let's follow this. Is God just weird about wanting to kill all the animals? No, no, no. This is part of the sacrificial system under the law before Jesus came, which by the way, when, when Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist pointed him and said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We'll get to that in a second. So, so, this is a principle, and everything in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, always points to Jesus. So listen to this for a second. This is really, I want you to think about this. If it's unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean. If it's clean, it has to be sacrificed. So let me ask you a question. When you and I were born in our human nature, spiritually speaking, are we unclean or clean? We are unclean. 
The Bible is clear on this. That's why David says that we were all born in sin, sinful nature. Question, when Jesus was born, when he came to the earth, was he born clean or unclean? <clears throat> clean. Remember the principle. This is really good, guys. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. Are you seeing it? Okay. That is why John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was the last sacrifice that was ever. That's why, we, that's why we're not here sacrificing animals every week or month here at church. Because Jesus was the last sacrifice. And the clean was sacrificed to redeem the unclean. Now, without losing Exodus 13, jump 10 chapters ahead, Exodus 23, 19. Exodus 23, 19. Look what it says. It says, it says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Everybody say the best. <clears throat> so not only do you bring the first fruits, but you bring the best of the first fruits. Some versions say the first of the first fruits. Not only does God want the first, but he wants the best. So if you're taking notes, here's another point. The first fruits must be offered. Okay? The firstborn must be given, but the first fruits must be offered. And I want you to understand something real quick. By the way, when you give to God, you don't give to get. Like, I'm going to give because I want to get. You don't give to get. We don't teach here at Vertical, okay, you give $5 today and tomorrow he'll slip a 50 in your pocket. That's not what we preach. We don't believe that. That is bad theology. That is a, a, a hyper-prosperity gospel, which is not what we believe. We do believe God wants to prosper his children, but that doesn't mean that. Um, because, by the way, can I just establish something? Because for, for, for if we think, oh, I'm going to give to God, and why didn't he give to me? He should have given to me. God owes me nothing. God owes you nothing. In fact, he's given us more than we could ever ask for. If, if all he did was just save us because of what he did on the cross for us, Jesus, if that's it, that's more than, great, more than enough grace than what I could ever ask for. He doesn't owe me anything else, but he is such a good father that he says, son, daughter, when you're generous towards me, I will be generous towards you. And so here's the first question I want you to ask yourself today. And only you can answer this. Does God get your best or what's left? We're talking about tithing, finances, stewardship. Principle number two. First, it's about value. Number two, it's about order. Everybody say order. We'll come back to Exodus 13 in a little bit. There's another important word that I want us to kind of understand, and it's the word first fruits. Look up here on the screen. It's Proverbs 3, verse 9. Proverbs 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits, everybody say first fruits, of all your increase. By the way, your increase is what your income is. Increase is anytime you increase in what you have. Income, increase, earning, okay? So honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so that, so there's a promise connected to, there's a promise connected to honoring God with the first fruits. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, Let's take it back to the firstborn and we'll kind of relate it to first fruits. God said, check it out. God said that when your animal has a baby animal, whatever it is, you are to sacrifice the first one. Now think about this. Sacrificing the first one takes great faith. He didn't say, wait till your animal has 10 and then give him one. He says, give him the first. He didn't say, wait till your animal has 10 and then see which one's kind of gimpy and maybe has cross-eyed and, and give that one. 
Because that's what we do when we give leftovers. By the way, there's something about tithing that many people have never come to understand. In fact, when, when my wife just and I understood this, it really it helped us realized, help us realize the true principle which we were missing a little bit of it. We were missing a little bit of it. We never had a problem with giving 10%. Never. We always, even before we were married, we were already giving, it was, it was modeled, we, we learned it, we understood it. It was an issue. It was like automatic. Like this is God is first, right? But we did learn something. By the way, 10% is key. A tithe literally means one-tenth. And by the way, the reason that God put one-tenth is so that every person can give. Because whether you make this much, this much, or this much, it's, it's, it's equal because it's a tenth of that. It's not like I have to give more and they have to give less. or they have, No, it's everybody, it's a tenth. Are you following me? So it levels the playing ground. However, yes, it's 10%, but here's the key. It's the first 10%. And that's the part that we begin to understand. Because Why? Because it takes faith to give the first 10% and then pay my bills, not pay my bills and then let's see if there's anything left for God, which is maybe what a lot of us have embraced, learned, and modeled. And you and I need to understand something about God is that God will always be first. Regardless of whether you put him or not, he will be first and he will not accept second. And so it reminds me of a story that always, it kind of bothered me when I was growing up as a kid because I wasn't clear on it a little bit. And I don't know if it bothered you. The story of Cain and Abel in the Bible, Adam and Eve's two sons. And remember how that story, they both kind of offered something to God, but God didn't accept one and did accept the other. And it's like, God's so mean. They both gave something, right? It's enough to give something, right? But I think if we read it now with everything we're talking about, I think you're going to see it with me. Check it out. Genesis 4, verse 3. It's up here on the screen. Check it out. Check it out. And if you opened it, if you put a marker in it previously, you might have it. But Genesis 4, verse 3, look what it says. It says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Okay. So, so it's talking about Cain, but do you notice that it doesn't say that he brought first fruits or first or best? What does it say? That he brought an offering. Now look at verse four. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected, another version says, accepted Abel and his offering, but he did not respect or accept Cain and his offering. Do you guys see it now? Do you see it? So obviously Abel is a rancher. He's got animals, so he brings the firstborn. Cain is a farmer, so he works the land, but he doesn't bring the first fruits. He just gives an offering, whatever he felt to give. And it says that God, he didn't receive it. He didn't accept it because God can't be second. Puts a lot of perspective. God can't accept anything other than first. Why? Because his, he is preeminent. This is why he didn't accept Cain's offering and he accepted Abel's. It's the principle of first throughout all of scripture. Firstborn, first fruits, tithe. God is a God of order, not a God of disorder. He is not a God of chaos. He doesn't bless chaos. I'm going to be honest here. Some of you are struggling, not because of how much you're earning, but rather because of how you are managing and stewarding or spending what you earn, and you live with anxiety and pressure, and this seems impossible just because you've never truly put God first in this area of your life. So, Pastor, can you make this a little more easy to understand? Let me, let me bring a really down-to-earth example illustration to help you. Let's say, let's say that you 
you own a construction business and I hire you because my wife, she wants this project to get done and I'm a smart man and I know that happy wife, happy life. So I go and I say, hey, we got this project. The queen is in need of a deal here. And so we sit down, we talk about it, and let's just say that we, you do all the numbers and you present to me, here's the quote. Now, here's the materials. Materials, that's not increase for you because that's a, that's a cost. And maybe you have a, wor- a worker who's working with you and you got to pay them. That's a cost to you. But let's just say that, that after, after all the material and the cost, let's just say it's going to be $1,000. So your, your increase for this project, your, your payment is going to be $1,000. Are you following me? So when you do the project, you finish the project... The project is done. Happy wife, happy life. Hey, thank you so much. I'm going to finish. I'm going to pay you now. How much do I owe you? I owe you $1,000. Now, question. I'm, I'm gonna, I, let's just say I have, a, I have 10 $100 bills that I'm going to give you as your payment. And I, I give you the payment. $1,000. Question. What is the tithe? What is the amount? $100. Because it's a tenth of the $1,000. So $100 is the tithe. Now, the question is, which one is the tithe? Which, which, which one? It's the first. You guys are so smart. We're, we're, that's what we're talking about. Check it out. Check it out. It's the first one that leaves your hand. In other words, in other words, in the principle of first, whenever I have increase, whenever I have income, my tithe is my first and my best. It's the first. So that's why I tell you for many years, when we were younger, just in our, early on in our marriage, for a couple of years, we were giving God 10%, but we weren't necessarily giving him the first. And this is where, it, boom, it was like a mind-blown eye-opener because we realized that the tithe, the blessing is on the first. So, in other words, if you go home and you say, let me pay the mortgage, let me pay the car, let me pay the groceries, oh, I don't have enough left for God. For God. Does that sound familiar? Or, even if you do, for example, like we were doing, oh, here, God, here's your part, but you give it to him last or somewhere along the journey, I understood and I learned that that's not officially the principle of first in tithing. Yes, it's 10%, but I'm not doing the principle first. Tithing, ask me why. Ask me why. Because what releases the blessing on the rest of our finances is not just obedience to the amount, it's also obedience to the order. It's the first 10%. So in essence, what you say is, God, here's the first 10% to you. And the reason why is because every time you and I get paid we take a test. And the test is, who are you going to honor for your income? And who you honor is who you give to first. And that's why what it says here in Exodus is when you give God the first, the firstborn, the first, it blesses the rest. So listen to me carefully. Don't give your first to the mortgage company because the mortgage company does not have the ability to bless the rest. So don't honor them that way. Don't honor Visa or MasterCard. Don't honor the light bill or the water bill. Pay them, yes, but don't put them first because they don't have the ability, the power, or the desire to bless the rest of your finances. You put God first because he does. So then that means I have to restructure my finances because what's first is him, not what I give him is determined by what I have left. Is somebody following me? So it ultimately comes down to the question of, would you rather live with 100% of the income that comes to you, but not supernaturally blessed, maybe cursed, or 
Would you rather live with 90% of the income that comes to you, but all of it supernaturally blessed? So here's the question for this part. Is God first in your finances? And by the way, can I just give a little, God is not legalistic. So it's not like, oh, we got income. Oh my gosh, my wife just paid Publix. I can't believe it. it. God is not legalistic, but when it becomes a principle in your heart and in your life, you put it first. You're putting it first. Are you following me? It's about value. It's about order. It's about obedience. Number three, it's about obedience. Follow me on the screens. Leviticus 27, verse 30. And it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Whose is it? It's the Lord's. It is holy. It is set apart to the Lord. By the way, it says it is the Lord's. In other words, it belongs to him. That's why, here's another lesson I learned. You might want to learn this. That's why the proper way of saying it is not, we're going to give our tithe. No, 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 no. The proper way of saying it is, we are returning the tithe. Or, we are bringing the tithe to the Lord. Are you following me? Ask me why. Ask me why. Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can only return it. Pastor, I'm not understanding. Let me help you out. Let's say, let's say my car breaks down. And you're, and you're, like, you're like my best bud. You're my best friend. And, and, and my car breaks down and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a crazy week. I need a car. And for a week, I'm not going to have my car. And then you say, hey, Burge, don't worry. I got your back. You can use my truck. And you let me borrow your truck, right? And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're the best. And the week finishes, and then I come back to you, and I say, hey, I got to tell you something. Jislyn and I have been praying about it. We, we want to give you this truck. What, what would you say? You would say, Verge, you're cray-cray. You ain't giving me anything because that's already mine. Are you following me? I can't give you your truck. I can return it. Are you following me? So, so listen, <laughs> some of us approach the tithe this way, and we say, oh, God, God, we have prayed about this, and we are going to give you our tithe. And God says, are you cray-cray? Do you forget that all of it is mine that I gave to you, and all I'm asking in return is just give me, give me the first ten. I mean, we see the cray-crayness in the example of the car, but then we must not see it in our lives because I don't know if we all got him first or best. So, so the tithe, it's a return. It's not a give. And not only does it belong to God, but it says it's holy to God. So, so, so this tithing, is, it's hard to embrace it and, and do it, but it's not complicated to understand what it is. And here's what I, what I like to say to you, and it's kind of a little subtle challenge. I'll give you the bigger challenge at the end. I'm going to challenge you to tithe for a year and see what happens. In fact, I dare you. And you want to know why I can say that? Because it's the only, 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 only issue in the Bible that God literally says, test me on this. Where? Where? Malachi, thanks for, Malachi 3, thank you for asking. Let's go to Malachi 3. Some people have Malachi 3 like either ripped out of their Bible or they close it. I know you. I know you. Malachi 3, verse 8. 
verse 8, God is speaking here through the prophet. God is speaking. <clears throat> Look what it says. It says, God says, will a man rob God? He's talking to his people. And he says, yet you all rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? And he, God says, in tithes and offerings. Okay, pause. So it says two things. It says tithes and offerings. There's two different things. Why? Because the tithe is how much? It's a tenth. It's the first 10%. And an offering is technically anything above that. Why? Why? Because I return the 10%, which doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And then I choose to give any offering, which he's let me, entrusted me to do however I want. Are you following me? Verse 9. God says, you are under a curse. And by the way, it's because they're, they're robbing him in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. You, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. How are they robbing him? They are not giving him, returning him what's his tithe or offerings or giving to him. So it's important to understand that there's a place of blessing. By the way, with God, imagine an umbrella. The place of blessing is under the covering. That's where God's blessing is, is under his covering. When you step out from under the covering, it's not under the covering. A blessing. So it's not under blessing, which the other way of saying that is it's under curse. Anything that's not under God's blessing is out of God's blessing, which is cursed. Is anybody following me? Okay, so, so blessing is under God's, God's covering, under the umbrella of his covering, outside of his blessing is not under, under the, the covering is not with his blessing. So I want you to understand, it's not that God looked at them and said, they're not tithing, so I'm gonna curse them. No, what he's saying is, here's where my blessing is. You choose. So it's not that he says, they're not tithing, they shall be cursed. No, he's saying, here's where the blessing is. Here's the instruction, which has been clear. This is the expectation. Return the tithe, give the offerings. This is what it is. But if you choose not to do it, that's up to you, but that's cursed. Are you following me? So it's not that he's choosing to curse them. It's that they're choosing to be out from under the blessing. Okay. It's kind of like if you jump off a building, there's going to be consequences, right? Because there's a law of gravity. It's not that God is looking down and saying, hmm, he jumped, so now I'm going to make him splat. No, no. He says, you chose to defy gravity. That's not smart. There's going to be a consequence. And so sometimes we want to defy God's laws. There will be consequences. By the way, in this verse, we also see something and, and, and again, no hate, just all love and all truth. There's only two things that we can do with a tithe. Only two. Return it or steal it. So when I don't return it, I consume it, I'm stealing it. So that's the only two things I can do with tithe. So that's why sometimes I've led some people through a prayer of repentance. Lord, forgive me. I do not want to rob you. Ouch. Why did I come to church today? Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What is the storehouse? It refers to the place where people were fed spiritually, the temple in those days. Today, it is the house of God. Today, it is the local church. And it says, bring the whole tithe. How much? The whole tithe. By the way, here's another thing about tithe. It's a 10th and it's the first 10% and it should go to the storehouse where you, where you are fed spiritually. Who's, whose is the tithe? So who determines how it's used? Not, not the Lord, not me. So, so for those of us who maybe say, oh, wait, I, I, do t I give 10%, but I give four to the church. I give two to this foundation. I give three to the orphan. I give one to my grandma. I give one to That's beautiful, but you can't do that with the tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. Now, if you want to do that above and beyond, that's yours to give. Are you following me? Uh, principles that maybe, maybe we never were taught or didn't learn. So it's nice to do those things, but the blessing is on the, t the whole tithe to the storehouse. And by the way, can I just say something? Pastor must be looking for money. Can I just say something? 
the church is doing well. And we're, we're, we're because of the generosity and the faithfulness of so many people here. So, so and, and it doesn't have to be here, by the way. But find a church where you believe in the vision, where you trust the pastors and leadership, and you can say, God, I'm giving you the first here, right? Test me in this, it says, second part of verse 10. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Wow. Not only that, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, your crops will last longer and they will go further. Why? Because you're under the blessing of the tithe. And you may think I'm crazy, but I believe wholeheartedly that in modern, because I, I don't have like donkeys and lambs, you know, and I don't work the land, right? So, but I really believe wholeheartedly that in modern days, this means, and this is funny, this is funny because I always tell my wife and I, I kind of boast about like being a good student. Like I have things that last a long time. Like I have stuff in my house like 15 years, 20 years, even clothes that one day will fit me maybe. I don't know. But I, I, <laughs> I'm not a hoarder, but I have this thing. I feel like our water heater lasts longer than most people's water heater. Like, that's what, like the pests will not devour. I promise you, I promise you with all my heart, I feel like our tires last longer than non-tithers. Think I'm crazy? Go look at your tires. I promise you. Here's the third question. Are you returning to God what is his? It's about value. It's about order. It's about obedience. And lastly, it's about legacy. So I want you to go to back Exodus 13. I want to show you one last thing. Are you learning something today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exodus 13, verse 14. Man, the earlier you learn this and apply it in your life, ooh, the more blessings of doors you open of blessings through your future. Exodus 13, 14, it says, check this out. So it shall be, same, same story, same part. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, hey, dad, hey, mom, what is this? Because they're watching you kill the firstborn and do all this stuff that you shall say to him by the strength of by strength of hand of the Lord, the Lord, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, therefore, son, therefore, daughter, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay, so here's... Here's what he's saying. And remember this passage, it started about giving the firstborn of the animals to God and all this. And what God is saying here is there's going to come a day that your, your, your son and your daughter is going to get a little bit bigger and they're going to start realizing like, oh, mom and dad are, they're killing another lamb. Again. And then, and then maybe they get even older and now they're kind of, they're kind of, but remember in those days, a lot of times it was like maybe the the kids are going to follow the family business. They're going to inherit, and they're thinking. And they're, so maybe the, now, now the son is a little older, and now he's thinking, like, hey, Dad, I want to talk to you because I've been learning a lot about business in school, and it seems like I don't know that the wisest thing would be to kill these animals. I think we'd make a more profit if we didn't kill them. And then that's where, where God says, you got to tell your kids. And say, okay, son, come here. Let me, let, me, let me remind you of something. We didn't always own cattle. We didn't always have a land. 
There was a time when we were slaves back in Egypt. Remember the stories? Yeah, dad. And we were slaves and all we had was brick making hands because we were slaves in Egypt. But God, remember the story about Moses? God delivered us with the 10 plagues. And then we, we fled and then he parted the Red Sea and we walked through dry land to a promised land. God saved us. He delivered us. He freed us. And, and that is why, son, that is why we gladly give God the first and the best because he saved and delivered us. We will never forget that. And you need to make sure you remember this. And that reminds me when, when my kids were, were younger, even I remember Caleb when he was maybe about nine or 10. And I remember, and, and this has happened with all of our kids. We've talked to them throughout the years. When he was sitting with me and I was writing a check for, uh, for my tithe, young people, a check is a paper that you write on and the bank supports it. It's like money, right? I still give by check, one, because I got in the habit of doing it, two, because I like that there's no 2.8% going to any credit card processing, and it all goes to church. That's my, that's my preference. But anyway, that's, that's my thing, right? But he saw, I said, look, 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 we're going we're gonna to give this. We're going to pray together. We're going to give this as our tithe to God. And he saw that it was more than $10. He's like, Dad, that's a lot. And I said, yeah. So it was kind of like in his head, like saying, like, why are you, why are we giving this much? And I said, I said, Caleb, let me, let me explain something to you. I'm like you. I was little when our family came to the Lord. So I've, I've, I've known the Lord all my life. But abuelito and abuelita, grandma and grandpa, and their family and their brothers and sisters and parents, they didn't really know the Lord. And the truth is that all of us, in, as humans, we're all slaves to something called sin. And God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. And when we accept it, the Bible says that we we are saved and we are redeemed like the clean and the unclean. We are saved and redeemed by Jesus. And because of that, because of that, we always give God the first and the best. And so Exodus is giving us this pattern here to understand how important this is. Your tithing and your generosity is a testimony to the next generation of the faithfulness of God in your life. So it's not just about order, although God says it's first. It's not just about value, although God says it should be the best. It's not just about obedience, and God does instruct us to do this because it's his. It's also about legacy. And maybe maybe you've been in church a while and you're, you're under the impression that oh, this is just an Old Testament principle and law. Come on, pastor. I know the Bible. Let me just say, in Matthew 23, Jesus says we ought to tithe. And also in the New Testament, after Jesus, Paul, the apostle, he says, give according to the grace which you've been given, which, by the way, sounds like a lot more than 10%, because 100% of my sins were forgiven. So if anything, if we're in grace, it's more than 10%, according to the grace we've been given. Tithing is about legacy. And so what are you leaving and modeling to the next generation? You know what's so sad in our American culture is that studies show that the more someone makes, the less they give. Church studies are even more sad because church studies show that Christians, five to seven percent of Christians actually tithe. Five to seven. Imagine if we all tithe. How we could reach, who we could, how, what we could do. What are you leaving to the next generation as a family, I know what I want to do. 
I want my kids to see and know that we give God the first and the best. And if we're extravagantly generous with anybody, it's with him and with his kingdom. Why would we do this? Because God saved us. He redeemed us. He set us free. He's given us purpose. Why would I not bring my first and my best to him? I mean, who deserves my first and my best? My mortgage company? So the last question I want you to ask yourself, is your life a testimony of God's faithfulness to the next generation? Parents, what are you teaching your children by how you manage your resources and your finances? Grandparents, uncles, aunts, what are you teaching them and modeling to them about generosity? What are you teaching them about what place God has? Is your life a testimony? Are you building your own kingdom? Or are you building a legacy? Something that will outlast you and live forever. Listen, when you catch this about honoring God with the first portion, it will change your life and it will change your children's lives as well. So I want to close off with this thought before I pray. All of us here, we're kind of all in, in kind of a different place on this, evidently. And I kind of, I kind of identify three main groups. And so I want to give you kind of a possible next step depending on what group you're in. First one, first one, number, first one, and, and this is not a notice, this is kind of bonus here. Um, some of you, you don't really give consistently or significantly at church. So number one, start where you can. For you in, that are in that group, start, with, start where you can. That's just your next step. And, but let me be very clear, let me be very clear. The promises that come with tithing are not attached to, oh, I'm starting somewhere. They're attached to a tenth. But I believe that if you draw near to God, he's going to draw near to you. And if you have a right heart in starting where you are, that might lead you to where God is leading you and to complete obedience under this. Does that make sense? Others of you, others of you, you do give consistently, but, but you don't give a tenth. You don't give a tithe. And so your next step is to return the tithe. By the way, if you've never seen it, your eyes might have like rejected it at times, but it's 310 Tithe Challenge. It's in the seat back pocket right in front of you. It's always been there and it will continue to be there. This 310 Tithe Challenge, which by the way, I challenge you to take this home and I challenge you to do it. Here's what it is. It's a 90-day challenge. You can read it. It's right there. 90-day challenge to tithe for 90 days. In other words, of your increase or income, first 10% to God for 90 days. And if by the if when those 90 days finish, if you are convinced, I haven't seen God do anything. This pastor is a scammer. I don't see nothing happening. I want my money back. You have 30 days to request for your money back and we'll give your money back. As long as we have your, your challenge card and we have a record because you've, you're documenting that you're giving or giving online, we will do that. Literally a money back guarantee. Do you want to know why we do that? because we are that confident in God's promises and his word. You want to know how many people have done this challenge and come back to thank, they thank us. Thank you, pastor, for teaching us to tithe. That's why I will never hesitate from teaching people to honor the Lord. You want to know how many have gone back asking for a refund? None, none, so far. You might be the first, I don't know. Lastly, lastly, for some of you, some of you, you are like amening all the way. You're like, yes, I love this because you're a tither. You're like so passionate right now. You're like, I hope people can experience what I'm experiencing because you've been experiencing it. And for you, your next step is to give above and beyond your tithe if you're not doing so. 
That's what we call here a legacy giver. In fact, we have a team here called Legacy Team, which is, which is the people that are on Legacy Team are people who have self-identified as having the gift of giving and generosity through our growth track. And these are people who have um, willingly and voluntarily said, I want to give above and beyond my 10th to accelerate the vision of the church and to exercise the gifting that God's given me. It's funny, we realized after many, many years that people who have the gift of worship, they had a team to serve on. People who had the gift of teaching had a team to serve on. People who had the gift of serving and our hospitality had a team to serve in, but the people who had a gift, gift of giving didn't really have a team. Now we have a team, it's a legacy team. And so if, if you find and you identify that that's one of your giftings, you can talk to us, you can understand what the requirements are, but it really is, the, the only commitment is giving above and beyond your tithe. So the heart of today's message, when you catch this principle of honoring God with the first and the best through tithing, this act of obedience will change your life and it will be a testimony and legacy to the next generation. I want to pray two prayers. The first one is just for all of us to have some courage and faith. And the second one will be for anybody who maybe has never accepted Jesus. So let's pray. Lord, we come before you today giving you thanks for your word because your word is true and your truth sets us free. I pray that you would give us faith and courage to trust your word, to believe your promises, and to activate the blessing under your covering when we tithe. Lord, I pray for courage for men, women, and young people who will probably go home and talk about this, pray about this, consider this, and I pray that they would trust you and that they would try you and test you in this as your word teaches we can do. I pray, Lord, that you would unleash supernatural blessing, everything it talks about in Malachi 3, Lord, when we choose to obey you in this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.